Welcome back to another episode of the Hey I Like You podcast. I'm your host, Becky. All right. And so for today's episode, I wanted to talk about therapy because I think it goes well with our January theme, my January theme of kind of confidence and body. And I would not be in the headspace that I have and I would not have kind of the outlook I have and the positivity if it wasn't for the therapist that I've been through over the years. Um, And I think it's time that we get into the nitty gritty and the do's and don'ts of therapy and everyone should go. Honestly, it's like a present you give yourself. You end up with a best friend. Yes, you have to pay for them, but like, come on, it's worth it. I promise it's worth it. And I'm going to share my experiences with the four different best friends I've paid for. Uh, Let's really three. It goes without saying, not every experience is going to be perfect. So I did have one therapist that I did not like. And we're going to talk about that. And hopefully everyone comes away from this just feeling a little bit more positive about therapy and maybe booking some appointments. People, like, do it. Why not? It's 2021. You've all got PTSD from 2020. We might as well sit on a comfy couch and talk about it. So my first experience with therapy started in about 2014. I was living in Montreal. I was doing a voluntary service mission for the church and it's hard and it's difficult and it's weird and you're with someone 24 seven and not to mention in most cases, there's a language barrier and a cultural shift. Um, So anyways, lots is going on. Yes, I was still in Canada, but if any of you are going to tell me and fight me that Montreal is just like Canada, you're so wrong. Honey, it's basically Europe, and I love it to death, and I would move there in a heartbeat. But, like, bear with me. There is a bit of a culture shock, (laughs) and there is a language adjustment. Um, So I'm living in Montreal, and just little by little, things started to kind of wear down inside of me mentally. Um, I was just... Like beyond exhausted, I was frustrated. Things that used to kind of roll off my back weren't doing that anymore. And it didn't dawn on me necessarily, but on my friend that I was working with at the time, that perhaps it was time I talked to someone just about the inner dialogue I was having with myself and just about the way that I was viewing the world. Um, and I'm so glad and I'm so grateful for, for their guidance and for their kindness because they weren't encouraging me to go to therapy because they thought something was wrong with me. They encouraged me to go to therapy because they knew that I wasn't the person that they had come to know, that something had changed in me and I wasn't comfortable with it and they wanted to see me get help for myself. So I love that and I love that they cared enough about me to kind of shift my lens and shift my focus so that I considered therapy as an option because it wasn't something I'd had prior and it wasn't something that I thought um, I was like bad enough to warrant um, just because there is so much unfortunate stigma and there's so much shame and just confusion around therapy and so I hope at no point do I make this sound like people who receive therapy are bad or weak or any of that because I don't want that at all to be the message but in my um like 20 year old mindset I was like well I'm I'm fine it hasn't gotten that bad yet so I don't need to go to therapy um and the reality was it shouldn't get to a point where it's so bad that you need therapy I've come to realize and appreciate that therapy is a tool that you get to use whenever you feel that you need it because it should never get to the worst case scenario like I mean, if you're like, 
dishwasher is flooding, you're not going to look at it and be like, oh, we'll call the plumber when the dishwasher is like flooded so bad that the floor gives out. Like, no, you're going to call the plumber at the first sign of a leak. And so I feel like now I'm able to recognize that you don't call a therapist when it gets so bad you can't do X, Y, Z or the other thing. You're going to call a therapist when you realize, when you start to see that change in yourself um, because it should never get to the worst case scenario. They should be a tool that helps you stay at, at a comfortable level for yourself or they help you get back to a comfortable level. So anyways, 2014, I finally had my first experience with a therapist. And um, in hindsight, he was a little weird. Um, sweetest man I've ever met. So kind, so caring, like big, thick Coke bottle glasses and just like the sweetest little smile. But when I think about, like, the things that he said and just his, like, his style and his practice, and I compare him to the therapist that I've had later in life, I'm like, I don't know if he was so much a therapist as just, like, someone who was, <laughs> who was really kind and easy to talk to. But, hey, maybe that's the goal of all therapists is to blur the line between, between like, clinician and just kind stranger that you become best friends with. So, anyways, my first experience with therapy, it took some adjustment, and it was... Um, it was hard at first. You wouldn't tell from listening to this podcast because clearly I love the sound of my own voice. I love sitting in a small room talking <laughs> about myself. But back then it was difficult because I feel like we've kind of been raised, most of us, for the, the most part of us, have kind of been raised to like to handle things on your own and to kind of like shove them down or bottle them up or put them in a box and just work around it. Um, and so walking into a room and having someone be like, how are you? I'm like, Oh, I'm fine. How are you? And they're like, no, like we're here to talk about you, Becky. <laughs> like, like, how are you? How are you feeling? What's going on? And I just would keep asking, answering like, Oh, I'm good. Like things are okay. But what about you? <laughs> and they're like, okay, like <laughs> if this is going, and I just, I wasn't used to kind of opening up and sharing the things that I was struggling with or sharing the things that I needed to be in therapy for. <laughs> I still felt like I needed to like work around them and their feelings and their issues and their insecurities. And I just wasn't used to being like cared for yet or considered kind of in that way. And so that's what I mean when I say they're like the best friends you pay for. Cause <laughs> I love having talks with my best friends and I know that my, they care about me, but, um, you know, it's polite when someone asks how you're doing that you then ask them in return. But for therapists, you don't got to do that. This is all about you, honey. Like, this is your moment to shine. So my first therapist was a very sweet man. And he gave me a lot of good skills and a lot of good guidance that I was able to carry with me. And I'm so grateful for that first experience because it was, it felt very safe. And I felt just really, really listened to. And he just had so many funny little quirks. If anyone listening served in the Montreal mission and also went to therapy, then you know who this man is. And you can attest that he was an odd little man, but sweet as can be. And thanks to him, I was able to form an appreciation for therapy that I've now been able to use later in life in times when I, um, in times where I, where I was able to tell for myself that that I needed it because in this first instance, I wasn't able to yet. It was a friend that kind of nudged me in the right direction, but 
life is full of hills and valleys and uh, <laughs> your girl has emotions and sometimes they get the better of me and that's okay. And so I've had to have three other therapists after Mr. Montreal. So now for therapist number two. So when I think of all four of them, this is the one where I'm like, <laughs> I could have done without you in my life. Like could and couldn't have because... <laughs> He helped me overcome some very real hurdles, but wish I had had a different therapist. So for context, um, this would be like 2017, 2016. Clearly I'm bad with years. Like I have no idea. I was getting into sourdough bread baking. Honestly, we could do a whole episode where I just talk about baking and I talk about the different carbs that I make because... I'm a carb queen and like, gentlemen, if you're out there, if all you want to do is eat bread and die happy, like, let me know. And not so I can bake for you, but so we can get married and then die eating bread and just eat it all the days of our lives until we pass away surrounded by bread. Like, that's what I want to know. If you're into that, I'm into that. Let's get together. Anyways, stepping away from that tangent. Um, so yes, I bake sourdough bread and for those of you that probably got into sourdough bread baking in quarantine, you know this, but I didn't at the time. I was very novice. I was very much just like Google what I needed to know, did not read further, did not read more instructions. Um, so some of you probably know that sourdough starter is very gluey. It is comprised of water, flour, and then the wild yeast in the environment. Uh, I don't understand. It's basically witchcraft. Maybe that's why I have enjoy it so much. But sourdough starter is very gluey. It's very, very sticky. And I was keeping my sourdough starter in a jar, in a mason jar, in the fridge. And I would screw the lid onto it. And so for everyone that has become a proficient bread baker now because of COVID, you're probably like, holy hell, Becky, what were you doing? You're not supposed to screw the lid on. Okay, Brenda, I know that now. I have the scars to prove it. But back then... <laughs> I had no idea. I did not know better. So I had screwed the lid of the mason jar tight. And because it's a gluey, like, honestly, it could be glue, uh, substance, the, the glueiness of the substance had kind of like sealed it already to itself, the lid to the container. And then I had like twisted the container shut. So one day I wanted to bake and I could not get the lid off for love nor money. And this is clearly evident by my behavior. I didn't do too well in sciences. So none of the things that like a science brained person would be considering were even crossing my mind. Could not get the lid off, was running under hot water because like that works for pickle jars. That wasn't helping. Was like tapping it on the counter. That wasn't helping. And this is when a science minded person may have thought, oh, the starter expands when it gets warm. So I can see that the starter has been expanding in the jar and maybe like would have had the thought of like, what will happen when it has no more room to expand? But again, your girl, not a science brain, did very poorly. Mr. Hudson, Reynolds High School, hated you. Bane of my existence. Mr. Falls, he was cool. I liked you. Anyways, those are my science thoughts. Um, so yeah, I wasn't thinking and I was holding the jar and it exploded. We are talking glass everywhere. Starter, that gluey stuff, everywhere. Um, my roommate somehow unfazed, unscathed, not cut at all. And when I heard the pop, or 
yeah, it was more of like a pop sound, like a bang pop. I had a roommate upstairs and she thought our bookshelf, like our bookcase had fallen over and just kind of smashed into the ground. So it was loud. Everyone, the three of us in the house that were there very much heard this noise. And I had closed my eyes. And once the noise was gone, and I feel like, you know, one or two heartbeats later, <laughs> I'm like, stand up. And I thought, holy hell, I'm blind. Like this glass has exploded and I'm blind now because I can't see anything. And then I had like the brilliance to be like, wait a second, maybe my eyes are just closed. So then I opened my eyes, managed to make it to the bathroom without stepping on any of the shards of glass on the floor. Look into my chin and I can like see inside my chin. So quick trip to the, a walk-in clinic because like I don't wait in lines at hospitals when I don't have to. So of course I'm going to go get my face stitched up at a walk-in clinic. Um, and now I'm getting like way too long into the details because this is a story for another day because then I go on to have three dates and make out with the doctor in his Mercedes Benz. What? Yeah, that's all I want my tombstone to say. Here lies Becky. She made out with a doctor in his Benz. Period. Point final. The end. Put me in the ground. We'll come back to that in another week. <laughs> but as the like fame, not the fame, that sounds way too hoity-toity, as the like news of my injury spread because I posted about it on Facebook, um, people wanted to hear the story because it was pretty crazy. Like you had a homemade bomb essentially go off while you were holding it in your hands. Like that's insane. Like trust me, I know. And for a while it was like a fun story and I had this cool scar. I think I got like eight or nine stitches. But then... I just noticed that like throughout my day or anytime I was retelling the story, once the like excitement wore off, I could hear the like pop bang of the jar exploding and my whole body would go cold. And it was just kind of crippling, honestly. Um, and like opening jars, like any jar, insignificant jars, like a jam jar, a pickle jar, things that are not expanding. They are not contents under pressure. Uh, I like could not do it or if I did it, I had to do it like down by my waist with my head turned like I was just convinced that like these everything glass was going to explode in my face and um, shortly after the incident like later in the summer I had moved to live with my sister to work for the to to live with my sister and work and one day she finally was like I think you have PTSD like you should go to a therapist are you sensing a theme like <laughs> I still need others to tell me that maybe I should take care of myself more so all this to say, one therapist had a great experience, second therapist still didn't realize for myself that maybe there was help that I needed in, in fixing the PTSD I was living with from having a glass jar explode, slice your face, and result in nine stitches. Um, bless his heart, I had a dear friend once be like, wow, like now that I'm looking at the scar, I realize like, like two inches lower and like... A, you're, you would have sliced your throat or like two inches higher and like you could have sliced your eyeball. And I'm like, yeah, thanks for giving me more reason to fear everything. Um, so anyways, now I'm in Grand Prairie. My sister has lovingly requested or suggested actually that I look into talking to someone about the, uh, the fear I was living with. And so I, I get set up with a therapist up there. And again, nice man spoiler alert all my therapists have been men and three out of four were great um and they've it's all been talk therapy so i honestly i feel like maybe there's hundreds of different forms and styles of therapy but i've only ever done talk therapy because uh clearly i like the sound of my own voice anyways um 
And so this one was just a regular man from down the street, like just any old any old therapist, whereas the one I had seen in Montreal happened to also be um, a member of the same religion that I affiliate with, so he was also Mormon. And I had never done an extensive intake because I had the one guy in Montreal and now this guy in Grand Prairie. And because in Montreal, because I was serving a volunteer service mission, whatever, uh, it kind of went without saying. Like, it was obviously assumed I was not married in a relationship or sexually active because um, I'm living with a companion 24-7 and we're dedicating all of our time to talking about church. So, like, and we're not supposed to be in relationships with people. So it obviously goes without saying. So when I began the intake with Mr. Montreal... We didn't even have to ask those questions, but here I was in Grand Prairie, and I guess this was customary, I guess this was the intake process, but, like, are you married? No, I'm not married. Are you in a relationship? No, I'm not in a relationship. Chronically single. Are you sexually active? And because I'm Mormon, and I, (laughs) no sex before marriage for me, um, I've, like, never had to, like, like, no to one, no to the other obviously a virgin but still for this guy grand prairie i was like no 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 and i don't know like i'm gonna assume it was just the relationship status he was questioning hopefully that's the only none of this is good but that's the only thing i'm willing to accept he like leans back in his chair and looks me up and down and then he goes man what is wrong with the men in this town and I was just like, oh, bloody, no, flipping way. Like, please, can we not make this weirder than it already is? I have an irrational fear from glass jars and homemade sourdough bombs. And now my therapist is, like, trying to be supportive while also making me feel the most disgusting possible. So, therapist, if you're listening, if you're out there, please, like, never try to compliment your patients by, like saying that they're attractive or hot in like a roundabout way because it's it's never gonna come off right it just doesn't okay it's super unsettling um and listeners out there if you are going to therapy try out multiple therapists you don't have to stick with the first one uh I didn't think that I didn't know that and so although his comment made me incredibly uncomfortable I was just like I gotta talk to someone about this like Someone has to let me get to the point where I can eat pickles again because I love pickles and strawberry jam. Like, those are two things I really enjoy and I'd like to have them in my life. So I stuck it out, toughed it out. I I toughed it out and I stayed with that therapist, but it was not as positive an experience or as enjoyable experience as Mr. Montreal had been. So honestly, all I can say for him is try out more than one. It's like you're buying a pair of shoes. You're obviously gonna try on more than one pair of shoes before you leave the store satisfied. So if you're going to talk to someone about your feelings and your experiences in your life, try out more than one. But sometimes, I can attest, you'll find the perfect shoe. And so maybe you'll find the perfect therapist. I did, he's Mr. Number Four. Fabulous. (laughs) But I wish I had thought for myself in that moment with Mr. Grand Prairie. Like, ooh, you know what? I don't like this, I'm not, super comfortable and now I don't want to talk to you about anything um, because you're like way too old to be making any form of comments like that 
and it's super uncomfortable and unnerving. So no, just there's no age in which those comments are appropriate. Anyways, I've gone on for too long about him. All I wanted to say about that second experience was have the initial meeting. And if it doesn't go great, don't be discouraged. Make another appointment with someone else and try out for a second therapist, a third therapist, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth. No one cares how many you've seen, how many you go through till you find the one that works for you but you're gonna find the one that works for you. Don't give up. And then there was therapist Mr. Number Three. He was also fabulous. Um, so so I started with uh, a Mormon therapist, had the weird experience with Mr. Grand Prairie, and then therapist three and four have remained Mormon. So maybe I just gotta stick with, the, stick with my people. But therapist number three came into my life at a time when I was just feeling really confused and really lost and just, super disoriented, kind of similar to like the experience of that brought Mr. Montreal into my life, kind of those same reasons for therapy. And what's funny about Mr. Number Three is he lives in Vancouver Island. He lives on Vancouver Island and I live in Edmonton, Alberta. So I can attest to phone call therapy sessions. They are not that bad. Like I was doing them before COVID made it cool. (laughs) And I mean, if you're someone who is nervous about bearing your soul and your insecurities when you're looking someone in the eye, consider phone therapy. Um, It was fabulous. I I loved working with my third therapist and it's really, it's really handy and simple. You know, I'll shoot him an email if I feel like I need to talk to him or if I feel like something's kind of, well, you know, I haven't spoken to him in like a year or two. So back when I was speaking with him, I would just shoot him an email and ask what his availability was that week. And if we could chat and if we could talk, he'd let me know what days worked and if they fit my schedule. I was like, perfect. I'll call you Tuesday at three. And it was just an easy phone call and it was great. And honestly, like that working with him and my experiences with him and Mr. Number Four are the reasons that I am such a happy advocate for therapy now. I can't deny that Mr. Grand Prairie uh, definitely helped me and, like I said, (laughs) helped me work through my PTSD, though it was a really unsettling beginning with him. Uh, But because of my third and fourth experiences, I think it's why I'm such a happy advocate for therapy because I've worked with some really kind, nice, genuine, caring therapists who have just valued me and my experiences and made me just want everyone (laughs) I just want everyone to feel the way that I feel and now la pièce de résistance that was really bad for someone who's minoring in French in university that was really bad my apologies um (laughs) Mr. Number Four my absolute BFF best friend till I die (laughs) my ride or die therapist um this was the first time well number three I kind of realized it in myself Um, but number four would be when I was going through the darkest and scariest and sad and concerning time of my life. Um, so at the beginning, how I said, don't let it get so bad. Call your therapist, make an appointment before it gets to the worst case scenario. Well, I'm also saying that I'm saying that because I need to listen to myself because in this instance, I think I had let things get really bad and then I realized in and for myself that holy crap I need to go to therapy. So when I 
the time in my life when this happened, I was working as a speech therapy assistant. I have a credential in that. Now I'm in university because I want to be a high school teacher. But I was working as a speech therapy assistant in a high school. And one of my coworkers, one of the people that I worked with, um, was just the worst. And I feel like everyone says that. And you're like, okay, but like, what could you have done differently to nurture the relationship? What could you have done better to be a better partner or team member for them? Absolutely nothing, Stacy. Absolutely nothing. This person was the worst. And I had worked with them from September till February, because it was around February when I went and I began doing therapy because of them. Um, Obviously also for myself and because I had issues that I needed to address and I needed help working on. But the, the reasons that sparked therapy were a result of the behavior and the attitude of this coworker. Um, it, I'm a fairly positive, fairly bubbly, fairly happy, fairly intelligent, I would even argue. And working with this individual just came with a lot of, um, they were quite condescending. They were quite controlling and very, um, I honestly don't know the word, but the behavior is kind of like they, well, victim. They would kind of present as like helpless or almost like victim-y to superiors. And then things would kind of land on me and on my other coworkers' shoulders as a result of like this individual's behaviors. And so from September to February, that's like six months. I don't know. I'm not a math and science brain, guys, okay? <laughs> don't count fast, don't count fast in my head. I still use my fingers and toes. So I'll go over like six-ish months of working with this individual day in and day out. And I hadn't noticed it, but pieces and parts of me just started to kind of stop working. Like my ability to laugh and go with the flow, just, it was kaput. Like it, it had run dry. It was exhausted. My ability to kind of like see the positive and like work towards a common goal with my friends was done for. Um, And so there was a day in February when I was sitting in the staff room with the rest of my coworkers and I just had this like overwhelming feeling and this overwhelming like desire to just crawl into bed and cry and like just, just never get out. I had zero drive or energy to show up to work anymore. I didn't like the things that I used to like. For instance, we used to always go on our breaks in the staff room and joke and laugh and go on dating apps and tease each other and get snacks. And it was just such a fun environment. And I was watching everyone do the things that we do, but I just kind of felt like a statue in the crowd. I was just there, but I wasn't participating in the fun. I wasn't teasing and joking with them. I just really felt empty and shallow. So essentially, yeah, a statue. Just, And I remember having this thought in my head where like, you aren't you anymore. Like the, the things that you've loved about this job and the things that you love doing with your friends at this job, they're happening, but you're not participating. Something you need to, you need to fix that Becky. Like you're just not yourself. And I thought, Oh, like, is this when things get bad? (laughs) Is this, is this my like current, current trouble level? Like now I need to go to therapy. And I was meeting with a friend and someone that I, I respect Uh, And I'd mentioned to them wanting to go to therapy and, you know, like, hey, I think this is right for me. I think I need this. Um, I'm going to do it. And bless their hearts. 
They're very well-meaning. If you've listened to my body episode, you know that I have a lot of people in my life that care about me and I care about them, but they just say the wrong thing at the wrong time. For example, lose 40 pounds. Anyways, that's in body confidence part two. (laughs) Go back and listen to it if you need to hear that story. But in this instance, a different person completely. Um, I'd mentioned, hey, I think I'm going to go to therapy. I don't feel like myself. I feel like there's just this heavy like suffocating cloud just like hanging over me constantly and I'm honestly miserable like quite literally just I hate I hate me and I hate I hate life right now it was a dark time I'm a very happy person normally but this was a really dark time and sweet as can be and very well-meaning they like looked surprised and they said well are you sure you need it because you're such a happy person And I was like, no, I know that I need it. I'm going to go to therapy. And they're like, but you normally, you're you're like the life of the party. And you're like the first one to crack a joke. And you're always smiling. I just don't see why you need therapy. And that's when I realized, like, A, I'm really glad my mom and my dad, definitely both of them, put a stubborn head on my shoulders. Because when someone says I don't need something or can't do something, I'm like, okay, well, now I'm going to do it twice as hard. So, like... Was I going to book an appointment? Yes. Is it going to be for tomorrow? (laughs) Now it is. Um, And I remember I didn't really have a sassy retort for them at the time. I just think I, I honestly can't remember what I said. I know I was shocked when they said that because in my head I thought, you don't know what the hell is going on in this like brain of mine. You don't know how I'm feeling. Like, yeah, I'm smiling, but you don't know me. (laughs) And so I left kind of. I ended our conversation and I booked an appointment and I just realized for myself how important it is in, in that moment, I realized how important it is to advocate for the things that I need because this was someone who cared about me and this was someone who wanted the best for me, but they couldn't understand why I thought I needed therapy because I presented nine times out of 10 as such a strong and happy person. And that's also when I realized is so like, A, advocate for yourself and do what you know that you need because no one, no one knows you better than yourself. Um, or unless you're my sister and my friend from Montreal, in which case they knew me better than I knew myself at that point. But I learned. Advocate and don't ever assume anything about anyone because on the outside, people would never have known just how much... I was struggling to get out of bed in the morning and how hard I was struggling and fighting to just like show up and be present, (laughs) like to not be a statue in the crowd, to participate in conversations was beyond exhausting. So never assume anything about anyone was the second thing I learned. And then the third was to check on your friends. Um, I remember posting about this conversation on Instagram because I was so shocked by it and then I was mad. And I was just like, well, I hope no one ever assumes that I don't need therapy just because I crack a dirty joke and I laugh a lot. Like, I got problems, babe. (laughs) I got lots of problems. But I just, I hope and I, I want to be better at checking on my friends and making sure that we're all doing okay. Because life is hard and life sucks sometimes. Um, and this is becoming a really much sadder episode than I was hoping to put out with this podcast. But I just wanted it to be a reminder because 
We need to be checking on our happy friends. We need to be checking on our strong friends. We need to be checking on our quiet friends, our sad friends, our lonely friends, our independent friends, our badass friends. They need to know that we care about them and we want them to be their greatest and best selves. Um, something that, that this experience in acquiring, you know, therapist number before, um, coming out of that experience, I realized that there is no poster child for therapy. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, like there's no uh, like base level. It's like, oh, once you get to that level, then you need therapy. Like there's no poster child for it. There is no set of symptoms for it. There is no worst case scenario for it. You know yourself and you know you're normal. And if you're not there, if you're in unfamiliar territory, if you're in uncomfortable spaces with yourself, um, like I was, then I hope you take the time to consider and to work around getting a therapist. I understand that financially it isn't, not everyone can afford it. I understand that, you know, as students, as, as workers without benefits, like there's different circumstances for all of us. Um, but I know that we can figure it out. And if you're having a hard time figuring it out, I hope you're comfortable reaching out and letting me know because there's nothing I enjoy more than like a good Google sesh and I will find, we'll find someone with a sliding scale. We'll find someone who can take you in um, when you need it. And if they aren't good, we're going to do what I should have done with therapist number two and we're going to leave because we're going to find someone who works and who's helpful for us. Um, yeah. So all this to say therapy is great. It's awkward at first, but it is valuable and it will be beneficial. And I hope that I have made someone out there less afraid of therapy. Um, and this was the Hey I Like You podcast. And because it got kind of sad there at the end, we're going to end on a high note. And I've rambled on for far too long in your ears. So this is going to be short. But the three things that I like and that I love. First and foremost, this is something very unfamiliar now because we've been in COVID for a year. Uh, Saturday matinees at the movie. Something about going to a movie at like 11 o'clock or noon on a Saturday and then being done by like 1.30 at 2 and having the whole day ahead of you. It's like you feel like you just broke the law somehow. And it's freaking amazing. So I love Saturday matinees at the movie. Second is that really big stretch you take in bed when you first wake up and you're, you kind of make like boat pose. I think it's boat pose in yoga. I don't know. You look like a banana. <laughs> Some yogi somewhere out there is cringing, but your like hands go up behind your neck and you like stretch really big and then your legs just kind of like stiffen out under you and you just like make this like great banana shape. I don't know. That's how I stretch guys. <laughs> TMI maybe, but I love that big stretch you take in the morning. And last but not least, they definitely have a place in my heart forever is Miss Vicky's chips. Honestly, Miss Vicky's, if I can get you to sponsor me somehow, that's my new goal. My vision board for 2021 has one thing on it. Two things. It's party with Heather McMahon at her wedding in Italy. And it's Miss Vicky's chips now to be a sponsor of me in some way. Uh, salt and vinegar chips, to be precise. I will eat salt and vinegar chips. I will go through a bag. Like it ain't no thing. I can tear through a bag. And then have all that like tongue pain from the acid and the vinegar. And um, I'm not even bothered by it. I honestly feel like I could go through bag after bag after bag, regardless of the pain. The love I have for these chips is just that strong. Anyways, 
This has been the Hey Like You podcast. Feel free to check me out on Instagram. It's Becky underscore Smitty. That's Becky underscore S-M-I-T-T-Y. And um, feel free to hit me on Instagram with any thoughts, questions, feelings you have about the podcast, things you'd like me to do, things you'd like me to stop doing, and I will consider them. (laughs) Um, And that's everything from me today. So I hope that you'll tune in and we can chat more together next week. Have a good one, guys. Bye.